Good morning, church. It is a good morning. Wow, that uh, <clears throat> just that brief time in 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 worship and song and praise, it, it it just makes time stand still, and you just get to focus on the Lord, right? Focus on the Lord. What? Who cares about other sounds? Whatever. I mean, it's just being able to, like Michelle said, praise Him and thank Him for. His enduring love for the fact that He's always there, for the fact that we're reconciled to a God who loves us. And despite our natural bend towards sin, He loves us and He wants us to be in a tight, close-knit relationship with Him. That's an amazing thing. It's something that we can never get over. We should be more and more in love with Jesus as we breathe more breaths, as we become you know, closer to entering eternity. That should be the progressive thing that you see in your Christian walk is that you are enamored by the love of Jesus and the mercy and the grace of God so much more and that should expound out of you and just drip on the other people it should become infectious that even the people that don't like you and the people that are just oh why are you such a why are you so filled with joy that you know over time you should see that rubbing off on their character and and Lord willing one day those people would become saved amen uh, so we just have uh, just a couple quick, um, like kind of house things real quick. So obviously we're back in the building. Praise God. Um, again, a testament to the Lord's sovereignty that it doesn't really matter at all what Santa Clara County says. It really doesn't even matter what the Supreme Court says. Uh, the Lord's will is going to happen. Um, and I'm just I'm just so again, how the Lord provides, how faithful is he? It's like we chose. I believe I, I, I heard clearly from the Lord. Don't tarnish your witness. Wait till it's legal. Again, it may not come in the time you want. It may not look the way you want, but the Lord came through. So again, we're not breaking any laws. We're doing our best to straddle that line. And, you know, I got those signs up. Even had to makeshift the whatever 22 person count or whatever. So, well, you know, whatever. We're doing that. Um, that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to adhere to these guidelines and lord willing at some point you know these masks are going to come off um we won't have to have all these doors open again um if people want to go outside uh you know summertime whatever we don't have to be in here it doesn't matter i don't care about this building i don't care about outside i care about us meeting together and congregating that's the most important thing that the lord's speaking so uh, again with that we do have uh, whatever this exit open kind of if 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 people can as you leave you know go that way um, whatever the uh, communion is there as well um, I'm gonna leave that up to individual people if you feel comfortable taking the communion here that's fine if you feel more comfortable taking it on your way out that's fine as well um, any kind of hanging out just please do it outside in the lobby anywhere else just not inside after the service okay and that's pretty much it um, with that, I could, as, as, as Michelle and Isaiah were, were, were leading us in worship, I was just reminded, uh, not necessarily about the name of this specific part of the body, Resilient Life Church, but, but that, 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 that word resilient. And we must remember what that means, right? To be resilient. If, if, you, if you have a picture of a rubber band, how a rubber band, a rubber band excuse me, is, is so easily stretched to its breaking point, but when it is released, it comes back and it takes the, the, the shape and the form that it was uh, once before. And as Christians, and I think that's the reason why this church was named this as we were, you know, we've all been there. We were going through that transitional period. 
bend, don't break. In the sense of, yes, the Lord breaks you to build you back up. But as the circumstances of life, uh, the things that the Lord allows into your life, the, the, the temptations of the world, all the trials that are going to uh, you know, come upon you uh, from, from, from moment to moment, right? The reality is you're going out of one storm and you're, you're, you're going into another. You have a brief time where you can praise and thank the Lord for, for getting you out of a storm and you have a little bit of, uh, of peace in the sense of there's nothing crazy going on around you. And, and, and immediately after that, you're thrown back into another situation. And, and uh, we must remember again, the resiliency, not only, uh, well, first and foremost, of Jesus Christ, the fact that he, I can't explain it. I, 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 don't, I don't comprehend the scope of why God allowed his plan to go forth like that, other than the fact that it pleased the Father to see it done this way. The fact that he sent his only son to die, a sinner's death. His own people rejected him. You're like, how does that make sense? The Jews, they should have embraced him. That's your Messiah. But yet, in, even to this day, they still reject the idea of Christ being the God-man. But the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross, died a humiliating death. But in that humiliating death, it cleansed the whole world. Anyone who would receive the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ would be saved forever. And that, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. But you see the resiliency in the Lord himself, the fact that he went down to uh, the gates of hell, took the keys of death and sin, and now is living again. The fact that he has the power to resurrect himself from death and now he's alive in Christ. That, that's the biggest, greatest picture and example of resiliency that you could see. And we model our lives after that. So I know that there are people that are going through things here today. You know, I know Sal in the middle of the week, his wife had to be uh, taken to the ER. And praise God that she's here today. But, you know, continue to keep them in prayer for all the things they're going through. And, and uh, Michelle's daughter, you know, you guys were talking about it earlier before, uh, you know, worship started. How, you know, she's going through a lot of things right now. Physical things and, and all that physical spills into psychological, emotional, spiritual. So please keep them in prayer. And then whatever else that other people are going through that maybe are unspoken. We're all going through something. So, again... Remember your Lord. Remember how resilient he is. It's not about the name of this church. It's about what undergirds this church, and it's Jesus Christ. And so uh, with that, if you could please stand, and we're going to go ahead and get into the last part of Acts chapter 23. We're kind of moving right along here, and it's just been a a, a beautiful time. Um, You know, I will say, I'll be honest, you know, um, studying this week was a bit of a struggle. You know, at the beginning of the week, I, I saw this passage, and I'm like, Lord, <laughs> okay, like it just seems so bland. What 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 is in this? How how what 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 are you showing your church in this? What are you showing me through this? And, and the Lord had to reveal to me, nothing's ever wasted. Every bit of Scripture is inspired by the Spirit of God, by the by His Holy Spirit. And and there is as as the as the days went on in the week. Uh, the scripture began to speak to me and, 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 and this message popped out and it was just amazing again. So I just share that to say, never think anything you ever read in scripture is just, oh, whatever. Or you may not get it at first, right? But, but the Lord will reveal to you what, it, what is in the text and something that might just seem so, so just, uh, you know, methodical and just, man, I don't, I don't get it. Just give it time and the Lord will speak to your heart. Amen.
Alright, so we're in Acts chapter 23. We'll go from verses 23 through 35 to the end of the chapter. Lord willing, I will not botch any of these names. Have grace if I do. Starting in verse 23. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready, 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen, and go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Listus, to his excellency, the governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen. And desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipas. Antipatras, I think that's how you pronounce it. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with them. With him, excuse me. When they had come to the presence, when they had come to Caesarea, excuse me, and delivered the letter to the governor. They presented Paul also before him. On, the, on reading the letter, he asked, What providence was he from? And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's Petrarium. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for just your perfect will. The fact that you cause all things to work for good for those that love you and that nothing is ever wasted, Lord. Uh, thank you for the weakness that we have because you meet us in our weakness and you provide everything that we need. You always come through. You never falter. You never do fail. It is amazing to see. Lord, may you speak to us now through your word. Help us to see the truth in it and how it is applicable to our lives this morning. Please give us the power through the Holy Spirit to apply these principles to our lives. May we continue to seek you for all things. We thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, again, it's just, it's a crazy time that we live in, right? Um, every time period. I guess if, if, if we were to live in the 1800s or the 1700s or the 1400s, we would say, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm, I'm you know, I couldn't imagine living in Europe and and having to be on a ship and cross the Atlantic to come to this continent that that must have been just just crazy all of the things that that, that you would that those people went through for to leave one continent to another so every time period has its fair share of things that go on and the difficulties in life and and ours is no different and it was just as we talked about last week, kind of about it's it's about the content of the church. It's not about the size. And and unfortunately, you know, I came across an article, and I you know things pop up on your phone all the time. And um, there's a I guess a 
semi-famous pastor that's down in, in, in Southern California. I won't go into the details and, you know, and speak on the name of the person, but it was, it was, it was, it was, it was sad to see that uh, another pastor fall. And he had fallen to, uh, you know, adultery with, you know, uh, against his, the Lord and his wife. And, and the fact of, you know, after all this and so many people that came in droves and, and how he was used uh, in, in such a, a, a mighty way. Uh, uh, gosh, I don't want to be so critical, but, you know, you say supposedly because it's like, were they ever really following Christ? But again, the whole point is we need to focus on Jesus. We don't want anything to bring anybody in here but Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. We don't want gimmicks. We don't want light shows. We don't want rock bands. We don't want hip, hip things that are going on in the culture today. That's cool if you like to rock Jordans, whatever it is, what it is. But don't come here because you see a pastor that's tatted up thinking that that's a thing. That's not the thing. We're not, we're not operating in that vein. And it was just interesting to me because, again, it's like what is drawing these thousands of people? I will say the church, Hill, Hillsong Church. And they got, they got campuses all over the world, started in Australia, you know, this and that. But it's like, as you begin to peel back the onion layers, and, and again, I know that the church is a, is a, is a, is a spiritual hospital, so nobody's going to be perfect. But when you see inconsistencies from the leadership on down and the misuse of money and this and that, it's like, wow, man, that's just so sad. That's not what the church is supposed to be about, you know? And I get it. I guess people with higher profiles that are entertainers or sports, uh, sports superstars, they find it difficult to, to mingle with everyday common folk like us. And so I guess they need their own kind of church. But they need to be led by the Holy Spirit. They need to by, be led by, by, by men that are filled with the Holy Spirit and that are doing the Lord's work. Not, not starting off in the Lord's work and then kind of voyaging off into their own exploits. And so... Um, you know, just pray for the state of the church in general, because small and large, that can happen. It doesn't have to be a big church for things like that to happen. But we want to represent Christ in a way where we're above reproach and uh, we're not bringing that, that, that bad spotlight upon Jesus Christ, because this is not the time for that. OK, today, as we get into our text, we're going to we're going to see how the Lord's providential hand continues to be upon Paul as he brings Paul through the dangers that he faced in Jerusalem and how he was specifically escorted to Caesarea. We can see that even before Paul knew, God planned his Roman citizenship to play a major role in granting him the protection that he needed. As we see these Jewish assassins, they, they, they wouldn't give up, as, as the text will say. They, they will follow behind because they will, they will come to, to kind of bring their, their reasonings for Paul's guilt before uh, the governor uh, of, of this providence in Rome in the near future. So, so they, didn't, um, they didn't actually fulfill their, their whole vow, right? They said that they weren't going to eat or drink until they killed Paul. Well, that didn't happen, but they still haven't given up. So they're still kind of hot on his, his tail trying to figure out a way to to come through with their vow. Through it all, through all this that has gone on, right? Again, we will continue to see God's sovereignty, his, His providential hand upon Paul, making sure that he was equipped to accomplish the task that the Lord had set for him. To be a witness, not only to the Gentiles in Rome, but to all those along the way. And I've entitled this message, 
all along the way. You might think, well, what do, what do you mean by all along the way? Well, all along the way of your Christian life, all along the way of your journey, right? What is our destination? Our destination is what? Heaven, right? Eternal life, eternal glory with the Lord, eternal bliss, no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. All the crazy things that go on within this life, there'll be no more. You'll be able to work and not break your back. You'll be able to, 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 to work and not toil. It will be the way it was intended when the first Adam had came before he had sinned. Some of y'all think, man, really? We got to work in heaven? Yeah, you're going to work in heaven. You're not going to be on a cloud with the little Charmin angel playing a harp. It's not going to be like that. Um, you'll, I'm sure, I don't, know every, I, don't, I don't know much about what heaven's like, but what I'm understanding, you'll be able to eat too. Be just for sure pleasure of eating. How it's going to go about, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if there's going to be waste, but I know you're going to be able to eat, but you don't have to, right? Talks about the the banquet feast at the table with the Lord. But but these things are going to be available to us when we get to heaven. But what are we doing along the way? You see because some people think, "Oh, I raised my hand. I got saved. I got saved. And now I'm I'm going to just <laughs> I'm just going to live my life." That's not how it works. You can't, you can't get saved by Jesus Christ and just go about life how you went about your life before or just do whatever you want, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. There, is, there are things to do along the way, all along the way. May we be those that recognize the call upon our lives, the fact that you've been set apart for a great purpose for a mighty purpose in the Lord's eyes and he wants to work in and through your life to affect others around you that's the whole purpose for him still allowing you to live and be here on the earth other perks obviously family friends the different joys that you get from experiencing those relationships with people but first and foremost it's for your service to the Lord and that's what we will see in the heart of this message The first main point is this, and I just alluded to it. It's not just about the destination, but what you do along the journey. We see this most evident. You have to look at the life of Jesus Christ. Look throughout the scriptures. You see what the God-man did. Sure, the greatest gift that Jesus Christ ever gave the world was the sacrifice he made upon the cross at Calvary. And that one act, it sums up everything else. But God just didn't do that, right? He could, have, he could have easily chosen another way to save mankind. I mean, he's God Almighty, right? If he, if, he, if he put the universe into motion and if he lives outside of space and time, if, if this place we call Earth, like I said last week, we're trying to save whales, we're trying to save dogs, we want to, and, and, and you know, the rainforest is important. We need to, we need to you know, keep that going too. But, but we've put so much energy and effort into saving this Earth that's going to just burn up. But in the Lord's eyes... In one sense, it's his footstool. Man, it's his footstool. What's going on? If he, if he calls this place we call so precious his footstool, then he could do anything. He could have saved mankind any other way. But again, he chose to save mankind through the work of Jesus Christ upon that cross. He could have simply pressed reset and the world just start over again. Similar to what he did with uh, Noah and the flood. All those people got drowned out. 
And then he just started over. He started over with, 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 with that family and this is what we're going to do. We're going to make mankind again. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna allow mankind to be what they were supposed to be before all of this craziness with everyone trying to do their own thing and try to make a tower to reach up to heaven in rebellion, in, in, in independence of God because they didn't think they needed him. But no, this is the reality. Jesus Christ got up close and personal with his creation. So much so, we know the story. He was born in a manger, in a nasty manger, in a nasty... I mean, I don't know if y'all have ever been to a farm and did work on the farm or gone to... What is it? Uh, you know, well, not Kelly Park, but over there off King and Story, they got the little thing over there where you can go see the animals and the pigs and the whatever. It's stinky. It stinks. You know, I'm not really that outdoorsy kind of person. It stinks. You know, I got my nice little shoes on. I don't want to stick on, st- step on goose poop all over the place. It's like, uh, what's, the, what's the one, uh, Vasona Park, where you guys go all the time, right? There's geese poop everywhere on your tippy toes. You know, step on geese poop. You can't even lay a, can't even lay a blanket out and have a little picnic because you're going to be laying on geese poop. The nastiness of it. The Lord God Almighty allowed it, saw it fit for his son his one and only son, to be brought into this world in those conditions. So he was up close and personal, really, with his creation. In a sense, Jesus Christ rolled up his sleeves and he got his hands dirty. All you need to do is look throughout the scriptures to see all the good Jesus did on his way to the cross. This is on his way to the cross. Healing lepers, feeding multitudes, setting demon-possessed people free, raising folks from the dead, and then being available for the little children. Remember? Remember that passage where the disciples are like, get out of here. We can, we're spiritual. We got business to do with Jesus. He doesn't got time for you. And Jesus is like, dude, don't, don't push these little children away because the kingdom of heaven is like this. The greatest in heaven is like these little children. So, so don't push them away. He even had time, right? Because the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they were like, well, we're all about our father's business. We don't want no little children running through here. We don't want no little rugrats running through here. I miss the, I miss the, the days of, of all these little kids that would run through here, man. You know, hearing the, the, the rattling of kids over there. And, you know, and then when me and my wife had kids, seeing Kalos being a part of that bunch. And I, I miss that. You know, I miss that. Uh, I just miss that, that, that factor uh, of seeing the, the young people. And we need to have hearts like these young children, moldable and shapeable, not already forming opinions, right? As we get older, we, we get into a, 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 a pit almost of like, this is how I do things. And so rigid. And Dude, you're going to break your spine if you get moved out of your alignment because you're so stuck in your rigid ways. We need to be moldable, pliable, like silly putty. You know, for the Lord to do as he pleases. But, but do have a backbone. Don't, don't, be, don't be a yellow belly, spineless person. You need to be able to stand up for Christ as well. That's a, I don't know, that's, that's pretty cool how you can be moldable and shapeable, but still be confident in Christ at the same time. All right, let me not get off into a rabbit hole here. Um, but, but this example of Christ and how he did things with people, he was involved in, relations with, in relationships with people all the way up until his death on the cross. This is an, an excellent example that it's not just about the destination to heaven, but what we are led to do by the Holy Spirit along the way towards eternity. This is something that we need to consider moment by moment, day by day. 
How am I being used? What am I doing for Christ? How am I living? How is my, how is my conduct before mankind? As we see with Paul today, he as well was very aware and he was present in the moment. I know a long time ago, you know, when we first got married, Veronica would say, be in the moment. You know, my mind is going a million miles a minute. I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm planning on this. I'm, you know, I got this in my, the back of my mind. And my wife's like, be in the moment. Be in the moment with me. Be in the moment with what's going on. We need to be in the moment with Christ and what he puts before us. So we can be effective in our service to him and to others. This is very important. Paul could have easily took easy street and he could have just relaxed on his way to Rome via Caesarea and just been like, it's all good. You see, I got, man, all kind of soldiers just protecting me. Front, back, side to side. I'm not going to say bounce to this. Money, y'all didn't get that on. That's some old, that's some old hip hop. Anyways, he didn't just kick it. He really understood what his role was in Christ. All the while, Paul was a great representation of Jesus Christ to the Roman officials who were transporting him. Paul didn't wait until he reached Rome to begin witnessing for Christ. Wherever he was, he shared the good news of Jesus Christ. Some think, and this is unfortunate when we think this way, I need to wait until I become spiritually mature in the faith to share my faith with others. That's a lie from the pit of hell. As long as you're not teaching something that's totally against Scripture, like, well, you know, it's Jesus Christ plus works, then obviously that, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you of that. You're going to be set on the right way. But, but you need to know that you're never going to arrive at this place where you're just, I'm there. And now all of a sudden, Lord, use me. That's not how it works. I've heard a pastor say, God will turn your mess into a message. I think that's beautiful. A message of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. When you reflect upon your life, what are you doing on your way to heaven? Hopefully, the things you and I do daily will look more and more like Jesus' character. Amen? All right, the second main point is this. The Lord is sovereign over all things and in all situations. And I think this is really important to point out because this word gets thrown around a lot. Oh, sovereign, sovereignty. It's like sometimes we're like, well, dude, what does that mean? Like you're getting, you're getting biblical on me. You're getting theological on me. You're getting, you know. You're getting on me where I, I, I don't get it. Just, just bring it to me in lamest terms. Just tell me what this means. So I think it's very important for us to understand a clear biblical definition of sovereignty. And it's this. The sovereignty of God is the Christian teaching that God is the supreme authority. And all things under his control. All things are under his control. That's what it means. God is the sovereign Lord of all. By an incontestable right, as the creator, he is the owner and possessor of heaven and earth. That's what it means. He's, he's the man, if you want to say it like that. He's the big man. He's the big boss. He's the one who, again, creator. You've got creator and creation. You're either the creator or you're the creation. 
Nobody else is the creator. We are the creation. God is the creator. Sovereignty is an attribute of God. How many people know God has many attributes, right? Everybody wants to say, oh, God is love. God, is, he is love. <laughs> Sometimes we use that as a scapegoat to just do whatever we want and accept everybody the way. I mean, not like that. We do accept everybody the way they are, but it's in the hope that they're going to be changed from the inside out. But yes, God is love. God also has something called wrath. And that's something we don't ever want to experience. And a lot of people don't want to talk about that. Don't want to talk about sin. Don't want to talk about wrath. Don't want to talk about the fact that he can't even be in the presence of sin. And so sin has to be eradicated from us. That's why Jesus Christ had to go to the cross and die and his blood be shed. So now we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Not literally, but it's, it's, a, it's a symbolism, right? Some people get weird too and they start, you know, yes, you pray the blood of Jesus Christ, but it's not just red blood over you. That's just, that's just weird. You're not gonna, he doesn't want you to put red blood on you and think that that's, gonna, that's like some voodoo stuff. It's not, it's not magical, right? It's what the, 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 the death and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ symbolizes. It's that that you embrace, that you say, I pray the blood of Christ over my life. I pray the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ over my life. Anyways, let's get back to the attributes. But this sovereignty, it's, an, it's one attribute of God very important attribute but it's one attribute of God based upon the premise that God is the creator of heaven and earth has absolute right and full authority to do or allow whatever he desires that's what sovereignty means he it's it's his call it's his will it's his desire doesn't matter what creation says his sovereignty will overrule the free will of man any day God's sovereignty is a natural consequence of his omnipresence and omnipotence. I'm not going to get into all that, but that's just what it is. These are very important theological terms that undergird the Christian faith. All right. It is this sovereignty that allows man, woman, you and I, to choose independently of God. He didn't make us a robot. He didn't make us robots, right? Because then that's, you don't have free will. If you're forced, right? There's a difference between a bond servant and a slave. A slave doesn't have a right. A bond servant chooses to serve their master. A slave is forced to. We're not slaves. So get that out of your mind right now. Anyone teaching you you're a slave to Christ, that's wrong. That's wrong theological teaching. You're a bond servant. You willingly submit to the Lord because you recognize that he forgives you. And since you're forgiven, now you have the opportunity and the ability to do so. And you're overwhelmed with the love and the forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ. Then what, what, would, you, what would you want to do more than serve the Lord after you've been forgiven? Knowing that your soul will never see hell. Never be apart from him eternally. And you can have the peace and the joy, right? Going through life, searching for all these things. Man, fulfill me. Make me happy. I want to do this. I want to, You'd find it. You'd do it. And you're still empty. Then all of a sudden, you just accept Jesus. And all of a sudden, wow, I can breathe. I can breathe. I'm not stressed out. I'm not tripping off what he said. I'm not tripping off what she said. Y'all don't like me. It's okay because I know Jesus likes me. That, that all comes with when you accept that, when you accept Christ's love in your life. This is what we see. But this sovereignty, right, the fact that we can choose independently of God, But because God is above man, fully in control of the universe, 
and in his infinite power and wisdom, he can cause all things to work according to his plan. That's beautiful. Regardless of the error and the waywardness of mankind. You look at the first Adam. You would think it's over. It's done. The fact that he created mankind eternally for an eternal relationship with him. And the first man and woman straight up missed the mark. They, they just they went out. I mean, they had every single tree to pick from. And y'all want to go to the one that he says, don't eat from it. If you go to that one, you're surely going to die. Dude, you could have had persimmons. You could have had lemons. You could have had, you could have had honey crisp apples. You could have had carrots. You could have had celery. You could, right? Because we were, we were vegetarians back then, right? Nobody was eating meat back then. Even the scientists, they look at the whole makeup of the mouth and the teeth, and, and we weren't made to be eating meat. It's only because of when sin came in, now we hunting buffalo, killing things and doing all that, but we weren't made to do all that. <coughs> all that. But the fact that they had full range, they could have had strawberries and, I mean, mangoes. They wanted to go to that tree because the snake, and some believe this snake actually was, 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 was standing. That's creepy. That snake maybe had some kind of centipede legs or some kind of reptilian legs. Might have looked like one of those, um, <clears throat> you know, those, 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 uh, those crazy lizard dragons, man, off, uh, off of the coast of uh, <clears throat> Africa. Yeah, kimono snakes or kimono dragons, something like that. Because, right, the Lord said, cursed are you. Now you're going to slither on your belly the rest of your existence. That's just creepy. Dude, some cr- reptilian thing coming up to me saying, did God really say... I would have been, well, I don't know. We all know we all would have did the same thing Eve did, right? So it doesn't matter. But it's still creepy to think about. I don't like scary movies. I don't like any of that stuff. So some reptile, don't talk to me. Get some raid, get some wasp spray. I don't know. But get them out of here. But the fact that we can choose irrespective of God, and he'll still cause all things to work for our good. That's an amazing thing. That, that speaks to his sovereignty. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 tells us this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Nothing you go through, hear me today, nothing you're going through is ever going to be wasted in God's eyes, no matter how bad it is. And that you may not believe that right now because you're going through it. And, and I get it. When you're going through it, it's difficult to see How is the Lord going to use this? I'm suffering. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. There's difficulty. I don't see a way out. I don't want to be in the situation. But God is going to make a way out. All of our experiences are building blocks in which the Lord uses to mold us more and more into the moral character of Jesus Christ. And it's through adversity. Unfortunately, that is... That is, that, is, uh, that is a staple in the Christian life. Adversity, struggle, hard times, difficulty. It's, it's what it is. You see what Jesus went through. You will bear the marks of Christ. You will share in his suffering. You will drink from that cup. It's going to come in different ways. Even if you know, your, your daughter's guts are spilling out after she just had a baby. That's part of that suffering. That's part of those marks. You can't explain it, but... Blood pressure up, going crazy. Don't know. Maybe the doctors don't know. Your family's going through it. That's part of the suffering that you're going to face being a Christian. Your, your parents, you're saved. You have children that are not saved. Those are part of the marks of suffering 
that you're going to experience as you go through this life because you are bearing the marks of Jesus Christ. But these are building blocks in which the Lord uses to mold and shape you more and more into the moral image and character of Jesus Christ. This is what we see when Paul is being escorted from Jerusalem to Caesarea. Though this plot to kill Paul almost came to fruition, the Lord used these circumstances to move Paul closer towards his destination of Rome, all the while becoming more and more like Christ in his suffering. That is the sovereignty of God in action. I mean, I couldn't imagine being escorted because people want to murder me. There's over 40 men that said, I'm not going to eat or sleep until I kill this dude. That's crazy. You talk about it's heavy on my life right now. That's heavy. I don't know how much heavier it gets, especially back then. They're not just going to sniper, American sniper, and shoot him from 200 yards away. Quick, easy death. Just go in my temple. Boom, I'm done. I can, you know, sing, sing, with, the, sing with the birds now. It was going to be an excruciating death. Stabbing, beating, rocks thrown at you. I, I mean, that's, that, that's, 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 a, that's a difficult... That's a difficult thing to have to look down the barrel of. But Paul did it because he had the strength of Jesus Christ. All right, the third main point is this. When you are called to witness for Christ, it may not be in the setting or the time that you would expect, but he will keep his promise to you. I doubt that Paul saw himself being escorted by an army of soldiers in order to be a witness for the Lord in Rome. More times than not, we're going to find ourselves in positions we would have never expected serving God. I can attest to this straight up. The reality is, pastoring a church was the, exact, it was the absolute last thing on my mind. Never did I ever, ever entertain the thought of being in this position. From back when I was in the world, doing my thing, thinking I was all that in a bag of chips to being saved and actually serving within the church. It was, never, it was never a possibility to me. I held the mindset of so-and-so's the pastor. They're doing great at it. I'm cool in my own little lane. Let me stay in my lane. I, I, don't, I don't have no desire. I have no, I have no reason to, to want that. That's not for me. Little did I know that I was being groomed by the Lord to eventually do just that. The interesting thing is I continue to find that one of the most important qualities that you can possess as a servant of Jesus Christ on any level is humility. An example is this. Uh, you know, Thursday night we have a men's group on Zoom and, and, and you know, you know, we pray and we kind of chop it up about what's been going on in the week and you know, we just let the Holy Spirit guide our conversation. Um, I was talking to Daniel, and he brought an example. I'll probably botch the example. I know it's from the, uh, the book of Narnia, but I, know, I got the premise of what he shared. And, the, and what he shared was this. Knowing you're unworthy of whatever responsibility the Lord places upon you actually reveals your worthiness. The fact that you know you're unworthy, the fact that you're like, no, <laughs> I'm, not the, I'm not the one, I'm not the guy, I'm not the girl. I have no credibility to do this whatsoever. It's the Lord that will esteem you. It's the Lord who will place you in that position of opportunity. It's the Lord who will, will appoint you. It's the Lord who will anoint you 
for that position. Man can anoint. Man can place you there, but then man has to keep you there. If the Lord puts you in that position, then it's the Lord who's going to sustain you through it, and it's the Lord who's going to allow His Holy Spirit to work through you in order for you to be effective for His service. A humble servant knows they deserve nothing from the Master, so they are grateful for whatever service they can provide Him. That's a beautiful thing. When you understand, when you understand what you deserve, you deserve nothing. You deserve, actually, you deserve hell. I deserve hell. You deserve death. For even the littlest of infraction of that sin against the Lord, that's what we deserve. But the fact that He gives grace and mercy and an overabundance of it to where your cup is overflowing. That much mercy, that much grace that you can actually be used as a vehicle to give that to other people. That's where you have, you have compassion for people. Oh, I see that homeless person. I don't just walk by them. Like, dude, what's up, man? You need a bite to eat? Can I pray for you? That's out of that overabundance of what's been given to you. And you give it to someone else. That's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. That's what this world needs. And it's not in the form of an organization. It's in the form of Jesus Christ. I wish people would just say Jesus Christ, right? Because there are a lot of organizations and groups that are doing good work. But are they doing good work for the Lord? Because you can feed and clothe people for 50 years. But if their souls go to hell, ain't about it. That's why if we support any kind of organization, it needs to be faith-based. It needs to be Christian-based. Not even faith-based. (laughs) Christian-based. If you're rolling with Jesus Christ, we're going to hook you up. If you're not rolling with Christ, we're not going to do it because that's going against the Bible. The world is doing that. The world does what the church does. They just leave out Jesus Christ, right? The main component. We need to make sure whatever we're doing, it's undergirded by the message of the gospel. That's why groups like Samaritan's Purse are so important. And you see the effectiveness because it's Christ at the center of what they're doing. Okay. Verses 23 and 24. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready, 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. So... We remember a centurion had a hundred soldiers under his uh, watch. So they said, prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen. Whew! 470 trained Roman killers would escort Paul out of Jerusalem. This is intense. It was as if God wanted to exaggerate his faithfulness to Paul and show him beyond any doubt that the promise of Jesus was true. Have you ever had an experience like that where Jesus Christ over-exaggerated his faithfulness to you, to prove to you, to show you, I'm with you, I got you, this is it. This, that's, 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 that's awesome when we get to experience those moments. I, I, I thought of you know Gideon and the wet fleeces, right? <laughs> He's like, Lord, I don't even know. That's me. It's like, Lord, I don't know. Give me a sign, show me. And then he gives you a sign. He gives me a sign. I'm like, Lord, I still don't know. I'm like, gosh, Lord, please. Give me another sign. I just want to do the right thing, Lord. 
Hey, you guys see me up here? I was like that several weeks back with this whole in and out thing. I'm like, man, I just don't want to. I just want to make a wrong choice. Well, I don't know. Do we stay in here? Do we go outside? Do we break the rules? Do we not? And the Lord gives you an example, and He gives you the means to do so. Um, I have a personal example, which is really cool. So um, thank you guys so much for your continued prayers about you know my wife and her her work situation and what are we gonna do and man are we gonna be able to make ends meet? Do I have to you know get, get another job and this and that? What's gonna happen? Well. I mean, the Lord did this over-exaggerated. Show my wife, I'm with you. I'm with your family. This is all going to work out. She, uh, we have been praying about it. She talked to her boss late this past week. And the reality is this. When it comes to, an, and this is not a Christian-based, this is just El Camino Hospital, private practice. Secular is secular. All about medicine, all about science. I don't know if there's any Christians there. Probably a bunch of people that are atheists. I don't know. Or believe in Whoever, Harry Krishna, you name it. I'm not trying to knock them. I'm just saying that's just the temperament of that situation. You know, with any employer, you tell them, well, this is how I'm feeling. I don't really know. I, I, I can't. I just I'm not in a place where I could do this right now. <laughs> OK, cool. Even if they say it respectfully, <laughs> get out. You're 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 dispensable. I don't care. Got a revolving door of people that want your job. What the heck? I'm going to sit here and cater to you. Well, break it down. The boss was super cool. Boss is like. I get it. I understand. Been there, done that. Understand the whole situation. Check it out. We're going to work it out. You can have less hours. We'll cut your hours in half. We'll provide you other positions that you're going to be available to do. Even greater. There's other people. There's somebody perfect for this position that's been clamoring for that position of, 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 of you know, a person that schedules doctor's sessions for all these patients. We'll see on Monday, ask her, if she moves into your position, that's going to free up somebody else who needs a position that that woman has. So it's like all these things are going on because it's not even necessarily about my wife, but it's about the fact that the Lord is trying to do something in that whole situation. And by her being faithful and taking a step of faith and saying, you know what, I need to take a pay cut, not necessarily for the money, but for my own sanity, for my own health, so I can be mentally better, so I can be there for my family more, so I can actually be involved in the church. My wife has not been able to be involved actively in the church after she had that spout, when she had the vertigo, and went to the ER, this and that, then she got the new job, and it's like she's just burnt out. She goes to work, comes home, has maybe an hour or two to be with the kids, and it's done. And it's like, I'm, my heart's not in it. I can't do this anymore. So it's like we couldn't ignore it anymore, but it's like, again seeing the Lord work through that to show her over-exaggerated, I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. I got you. This is the situation. And it's just cool to see because, again, this falls in line with the text. Same way with Paul. Paul was completely in the will of God. In the will of God excuse me. And this level of protection revealed it. This also shows the extreme danger Paul faced. To be escorted like this back then is more than what President Biden would get now as the United States president. The fact that 470 killers are straight walking with this man, making sure that he's safe, that's crazy. Paul traveled with 200 spearmen under the cloak of darkness, the third hour of the night. This was a strategic military move to ensure the safety of the person being transported. They did it under the cloak of darkness. It's going to be hard to attack somebody when it's the middle of the night, it's dark, you can't see, you know, and that's what they did. It says that provide mounts to set Paul on 
and to bring him safely to Felix the governor. Not only did Paul escape Jerusalem alive, he did so riding a horse. Actual, actually, actually, excuse me, several mounts were made available to Paul. As you can imagine, with all these Roman soldiers going before Paul, alongside him, and behind Paul, he had quite the audience. There were many men there to witness what was going on with Paul. This was another perfect opportunity for Paul to share his witness and for it to be observed. Now this is the reality. It's one thing to be able to share your faith when there's no pressure or no stress. Stress, excuse me. It's a completely different ball game when your faith is literally being tested, right? Some of us are like, oh, I, you know, I can't, I just, uh, I'm just not a good speaking. I, I can't, I, I just don't know if I, I don't know. My, my knees, I don't know if I can talk to that person. I can't do it. Dude, the only stress you got is the stress you're putting on yourself. This man got 40 people trying to kill him. Talking about, I'm not going to eat or sleep till I kill you. That's stress. And he's like, I'm still sharing my faith. I'm still going to live out my life according to the Lord. You think of Daniel. King said, stop praying to God. Only pray to me. If I catch you, you're going to die. That's pressure. Daniel said, you know what, homie? Go back in my room like I normally do. Put out my mat. Get on my knees. Face Jerusalem. I'm praying to the Lord Almighty God. He didn't change. That's stress. But he was still able to be faithful to his witness. As a hunted man being escorted for his own safety, this was a great exhibition of faith in Jesus Christ on Paul's part. Again, he could have easily cracked under the pressure and bailed out. Instead, he pressed into the Lord and was faithful to the calling upon his life. The application is this. Our witness for Jesus Christ isn't something we should ever turn on and off whenever we want to. This is a lifestyle, folks. This is what we do day in and day out. This is how we live. Your life is governed by the ways of the Lord. And your, your life should reflect that. Your fruit, spiritual fruit, should reflect the one who's your ruler, who's your king, who's Jesus Christ. Look, it gets this deep. Even if we are not speaking to people, our conduct, how we respond to situations we're thrown into, will ultimately speak volumes to those around us. See, some get the impression they're just jabber jaws, just talking. Yes, Jesus this, Jesus that. And that's cool, I get it. But that's one thing to talk that. But then your life, man, it don't even look nothing like any of the Jesus talk coming out of your mouth. Slap them up because they need to shut up. It needs to be a balance. Your life should reflect the scriptures. What, is it, what does the Bible say? From out of the mouth comes everything that's in your heart, right? So if the mouth matches up with the actions, oh, you're, you're good. You're good to go. And, and, and that's what we see here with Paul. I'm, I don't know. The scripture doesn't say, maybe he didn't talk to every single person that was there. But the fact that he was cool, calm, under pressure, that revealed a big deal about his faith in Jesus Christ. And they saw that and it affected them. You've heard it before. As Christians, people are watching your life to see if your faith, if my faith is genuine or if it's only skin deep. May we be those who do not falter because the chips of life may be stacked against us. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 10 tells us this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Man, do you hear that? Afflicted in every way. Again, we go back to this is part of the Christian life. If you're not facing adversity, you're not a Christian. I'm sorry, you're not. And I'm not saying you have to have some crazy thing where somebody's trying to kill you, but you're going to face adversity. There's no way around it. You, If anything, we need to... We need to embrace that as, wow, Lord, you deem me worthy to go through that for you. You believe I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to stand up for the name of Christ despite the issues and the things that I'm going to go through. Wow, thank you, Lord. Praise you that you're going to be with me through that. But that's, that's just the reality. I, I don't know where we got off thinking we weren't going to go through adversity. Or, or better yet, because there are many that, think, that, that believe we're going to face adversity. But I don't know where we got off track thinking adversity was only going to be a little part of the Christian life. And it wasn't going to be like, man, every day. You know, I'll tell you this. Even when everything's going smooth, and maybe this is just my dynamic with my marriage, but something, sometimes my wife will say one thing. Or maybe I'll do one thing, because she's not here to defend herself. I'm not trying to throw under the bus. <laughs> but I'm just keeping it real. Everything will be cool, man. Baby's not crying. Kalos is cool. Did good in school. Things are good with my work. Everybody's fine. One little sly comment. Are you for real? (laughs) This perfect day. This just good moment. Everything was fine. But that still can be considered adversity. Because you're supposed to live at peace with your spouse. You're supposed as a husband, you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loves the church. Women, you're supposed to respect your men. Ain't nothing worse than not respecting your man. Men can deal with anything but disrespect. Is that right? I know we only got a few gentlemen in here, but men, respecting the respect that you get is so important. And it's those little things. But again, this is that adversity that we're going to face. But we face it, but we're not crushed. We face it, but we're not perplexed. We face it, but we're not driven to despair. Don't ever let the circumstances of life drive you to despair. May the circumstances of your life drive you to the foot of the cross. That's where you need to be. Drive you to Jesus Christ. Cry out to him more and more as crazier things happen in your life. That's what we are to do. All right. Verses 25 and 30. It says that he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lysias, to his excellency, the governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him. I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man. I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So, okay, here we see the sovereignty of God at work again. It was only the Lord who foreknew Paul's Roman citizenship and how it would play a role in his life being preserved. If you just think about it, if Paul had not been a Roman citizen... 
How do you think this situation would have panned out? He probably wouldn't have had, I mean, I don't know. It just, it wouldn't have worked out like this, how we see it played out in scripture. Maybe there would have been another way the Lord would have provided him safe passage. But because he was born a Roman citizen, this is how it worked out. It says, I rescued him having learned that he was a Roman. In his letter, Lysias implied that he learned of Paul's Roman citizenship right away. And he, and he said nothing of the way Paul was bound twice and almost scourged for the sake of his interrogators. The fact that the, the Jews didn't want him alive. They beat him. They wanted him. They wanted him dead. Had nothing charged against him deserving death for chains. So, okay, Luke is showing us something important here in this letter. It's possible that the Roman officials reviewed actually the, the scriptures of Acts before Paul's trial before Caesar. Here Luke shows that other Roman officials had judged Paul not guilty. So other people outside of the Jews said, this guy's not guilty. He's not, he's not done any wrong. He's not done any harm to anyone. One of Luke's prime motives in writing this twofold account is to show that there was no substantial charge of guilt brought not only against Paul, but against Christians in general. This is important because it shows that these other people who were judging Paul were competent and they were not impartial judges. And they were showing that there was innocence on the behalf of Paul and that the Christian missionaries had respect and there was nothing they, they were doing that was wrong. It was only the Jews. It was only the Jews who had this bone to pick with Paul. And they, they did not like, again, we talked about this last week, the truth that Paul provided it went against what they wanted. And so since they didn't want to change their lifestyle, they rejected the truth that Paul brought. They rejected Paul. They figured if we could just kill him, then this will silence this, this conscience in our mind and we can be okay. But that wasn't the case. No other ethnic groups found fault in him. Does this sound familiar? Well, it should because this same thing happened to Jesus Christ. It's such a trip, right? His own people... The Jews rejected Jesus Christ, but yet this was the means of how God saw fit to save mankind. Again, this was the same way it was back in Paul's day. Similar things can be said today. The application is this. This is why we are to live a lifestyle being above reproach. So that we don't tarnish our witness for Christ to the world. The only thing you should hear critics say about your walk is that your thinking's narrow. Because you believe there is only one God and one mediator to him, the God-man Jesus Christ, and only one way to heaven, that is through Jesus Christ, the narrow gate, not the broad road. No one should ever be able to look and contest your credibility or my credibility due to our own admission of guilt. Meaning, the way you live, that's it. If you live a lifestyle that is right in line with scripture nobody's going to be able to say nothing about you except they just don't like you but that's not because you're doing something wrong it's not because you're evading your taxes it's not because you're 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 having a you know uh, you know uh, adulterous affair with some or adulterous relationship with someone it's not because you're spung out on drugs and getting drunk all the time it's not because you're watching internet porn or gambling at what is it a matrix all the time and somebody saw hey i saw pastor keith in that matrix what's he doing it's 2 30 in the morning man he had a big stack of chips. <laughs> Nobody should be able to say that about you, right? That's, that's your own admission. You're doing it to yourself. 
wilding out, acting like a fool, thinking no one's going to notice, no one's going to find out, especially now with, I told you, well, I told Michelle, but we saw, uh, I saw a little kid come and looked like he was taking pictures of the church, talking about this is Wellsprings, and his mom said, we're not going in there. Okay. Okay. I just said, good morning, how you doing? Spraying stuff down, trying to put the signs up. As long as you are not guilty in God's eyes, that's all that matters. You see, Paul understood this. And that is the one reason why his witness was so powerful. Because once he was converted to Christ, he lived a life of high integrity. He did everything in his power to magnify Jesus Christ. The reality is this. You want to see the power of God move upon your life? Magnify Jesus Christ in all you do. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 tells us, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. All right, last, last few verses as we wrap it up. Verse 31. It says, So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipas. And the next day they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. And when they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. So the 200 soldiers, they went as far as uh, Antropus because the most dangerous part of the road was only up to this point. Up to this point, about 25 miles out, the country was, was not going to be inhabited by these, these dangerous Jews who wanted to uh, you know, kill Paul. It was open country and there wasn't going to be an ambush that happened. Paul made it out of Jerusalem and on to Caesarea, onto the coast. This plot of the 40 assassins failed. It's interesting because some Bible scholars have wondered, um, since these men made this vow of, of fasting and they failed, what would happen to them? But they didn't kill themselves because there was a way out. There was a clause in this. Uh, ancient rabbis allowed four types of vows to be broken. Uh, uh, a vow of exaggeration, a vow made in error, and a vow that not can uh, and a vow that not can be fully reasonably sustained. And this is probably one of those vows. Since they said I'm going to eat, I'm not going to eat or drink until I kill Paul. Obviously, they didn't do it. So that was just crazy how they did that. Um, this last part here it says, on regarding the letters, he asked what providence he was from, and when he learned that he was from uh, Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive and then he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's Petrarium. That's basically like the, the, the judge's kind of holding cell. It's a safe place where Paul could be where he wouldn't um, go up against any, um, anyone trying to, to threaten his life. Uh, this whole thing of Felix saying, well, I guess I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and hear um, <clears throat> Paul's case out. It was the fact that he was from Cilicia. If he wasn't from there, that wasn't where Felix was um, had had power, so he probably wouldn't have listened to his case. But the fact that this again was where Paul was from, this gave um, the governor the authority to do so. Again, we see the providential hand of God. I mean, it's not a coincidence that he was that Paul was from Cilicia. This fact that he was enabled him to be protected by this governor at this time. The fact that he went before this governor. This was the fulfillment of the promise that was made to Paul 20-something years ago, that he would bear the name of Jesus Christ before kings. You can read that in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. The application is this. 
This shows us the importance of holding on to the promise of God. It took 20 years for this promise to be fulfilled in Paul's life. Long stretches may seem a lot to us, but the Bible is clear of how God sees things. 2 Peter verses 3, verse 8 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. It may take 20 years of consistent intercessory prayer before you see that loved one come to faith in Jesus Christ. But you are lifting them up to Christ for them to be saved. Don't give up hope. Because remember that next verse after that, 2 Peter 3, 9. God's desire is that none perish, but all come to repentance. This is what we see in the life of Paul. The fact that he continued on in a steadfast faith. And despite the opposition, he was faithful and remained faithful to the Lord. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this account of your servant and how uh, he looked to Jesus Christ. Lord, despite the, the, the harsh situations he found himself in, the fact that men wanted to spill his blood, he did not waver at the sight of death, but he embraced you all the more. In the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in this morning, though our circumstances and situations are difficult and painful, May we embrace you all the more. May we, may we look to Jesus Christ to help us through. Father, may you give us a miracle victory in all that we're going through. Lord, we look to you to sustain us and fulfill us and help us in the good times and the bad. Father, we thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.